Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Jude Day. Before we get to Jude, I have a few announcements to make and take care of business. First and foremost, the website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there and see articles that I've written, some articles that the guests have written. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media. And by that, of course, I mean Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, we're Travel Tales Podcast there. Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There are links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. We're also on Spotify. If you are on any of those, I ask, as always, to please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show because it boosts our presence. That's a cool thing to do. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. Hey, maybe you'd like to be a guest on the show. Maybe you know somebody who'd be a good guest on the show. Maybe you have questions to ask me. Are you going somewhere, taking a trip somewhere, want some advice? You just want to write me and say nice things? Well, for all those inquiries, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. I also want to squeeze in a plug here for uh, an appearance I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be playing Zanies back in my hometown of Chicago, Zanies Comedy Club downtown on Wells Street, uh, October 14th and 15th, and also the St. Charles Zanies on October 17th through 19th. So if you happen to be in Chicago or in the area and you want to come see a show, that's where I'll be. All right, I'm recording this on the fourth week of six, the longest stretch I've ever done on one ship. I am in the MS Zandam. It is the last week of August. I have been on this ship since July 27th. A seven-day cruise from Montreal to Boston and then back to Montreal. Seven days down, seven days up, same itinerary. And I can tell you that I am ready to get off this ship. Nothing against the people I'm working with. It's very nice people, but um, starting to get a little repetitive. Not going to lie to you. Throw in the fact that I'm missing the good beach weather back in L.A. And one of the main reasons I moved to Santa Monica is for the three months where the water is warm enough to swim in, for me anyway, July, August, and September, and I missed all of August. All of it. So I'm looking forward to getting back September 7th, enjoying some time at the beach, and being back in L.A. and taking care of my business. The good part about this itinerary is that I get each weekend, I either get to go to Montreal or Boston, which are two awesome cities. I'm also become a big fan of uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. I think that's a cool little town. I get to see Bar Harbor, Maine, which is just charming. Quebec City, folks, gorgeous, really nice. If we're going to skip one port on this itinerary, I got to say it's uh, Sydney, Nova Scotia. No offense to the nice people of Sydney, but there ain't much going on there. And from what I've uh, discussed with a number of the guests, they kind of agree with me. So we could have skipped that, but uh, hey, I don't have to have a day at sea, which is what I'm recording this, the one day at sea. And getting to the recording of this. Okay, so I tried to bank in as many episodes as I could before I left town so I wouldn't have to record. 
while on the road and post this while on road. I say the road while on the sea. Whatever reason, I came up one episode short before I left. So I knew I was going to have to do a recording while I was away here at sea to stay on schedule. Enter Jude, who's the cruise director on this ship. Although they keep changing her title as cruise director and travel advisor. I don't, I don't know anymore. She, she says it at the top. But she's great. She's great at her job, and I knew she'd be a, a good guest for the show. She's originally from Alabama, but lives in Chicago and has lived there for a long time. And for all the people I've talked to on cruise ships, it always usually is other performers. I've never talked to a cruise director to find out really what they do, what her job entails. We talked about the cruise industry and where it's headed, and she was nice enough to do it. That being said, you are going to notice a difference in the audio. And I got to say, after eight years of doing this, I've never had more things go wrong. I don't want to get too technical or bogged down into it, but I had my laptop, my good microphone that I'm using right now and recording into, and I also use for voiceovers. So this is a good, solid, professional microphone. So not only was I recording with my good mic into my laptop, I had a backup plan. I have these brand new mics I ordered online, which clip to your body, lavalier mics, two of them that go into a uh, splitter and go right into my iPhone so I could record and voice memo an interview. So I was using those on uh, Jude and I as a backup, which I've never done before. Well, it turns out, thank God I did, because after about 30 minutes of our interview, I looked down and noticed that my laptop was not recording from my good microphone. It was recording from the crappy built-in microphone on the laptop, which means you could barely hear Jude. She sounded like she was in another room. I sounded tin can-like, and it was basically unusable. So for the first uh, about 25, 30 minutes of our interview, you are going to hear the backup mics, which I have never used before. And it turns out uh, my microphone comes in much louder than Jude's. And there is some ambient noise. And I don't know why. Uh, I know this is a little inside baseball for you, but you're going to notice that it sounds uh, not as crisp and clear as it usually does. And you'll also notice that <laughs> after about a half an hour, I noticed that my good microphone that I was holding in front of Jude and mine's face for a half an hour was uh, basically not being used. It was pointless. And so I switched it. And for the last uh, 20 minutes or so of this interview, it sounds great. It just doesn't match. That's the problem. So the last half of this interview sounds a lot better than the first, and I apologize for that. I also apologize to Jude because for some reason, my laptop stopped toward the end when we were wrapping it up and she said all these nice things about what travel means to her and everything else and it didn't record any of it but I didn't want to make her redo everything over again she was squeezing me in uh, time was tight she had a job to do and basically I had to cut it out so my apologies to Jude but we did get some good stuff on here and my apologies to the listeners for the first half of this interview, which sounds not as good as I'd like it to sound. But thank God I at least had a backup, because I don't know if I would have had time to sit down with her again. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I am not an audio engineer. I don't have the tools or the knowledge to clean up the audio and take out the hiss or the gain, or I, I don't know. I, I, don't ha I can't do it. So deal with it, folks. What did you pay for this? Nothing. That's what. <laughs> Anyway, it was a pleasure to meet Jude and work with her and uh, had fun talking to her. So please enjoy my conversation with Jude Day. 
I am the Cruise and Travel Director here at Holland America Line on MS Zondam. That stands for Motorship. Does it? It does. I had no idea. Well, that's why I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been in the cruise industry? I've been here for just a little over five years. I started out as a cruise director and then I changed over to the location side, which means that I focused more on the ports of call. And now Holland America Line has created a new role. It's called the Cruise and Travel Director, so we have aspects of both roles in this new title. So wait, you started out right off the bat as a cruise director or were you like in other levels of and was it always Holland America or other cruise lines? <laughs> Wait a minute, that's seven questions yeah. all at once. Oh. <laughs> okay, let me sort quickly. Uh, yes, I came in as a cruise director, and that in and of itself is highly unusual. Normally, you, you do work your way up through the ranks, but for those of you in the home audience, I am not a spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're lovely, uh, lovely. Huh. Lovely means not spring. <laughs> okay, so here we are. I had a full career as a, a luxury property manager, luxury residential in Chicago. And prior to that, um, professional performance. I, I've been a union member, a very proud union member mm -hmm. for a long time. And uh, met a friend and she said to me, I think you would be a great cruise director. And I said, a what? She said, a cruise director, it's what I do for a living. Come out and see what it's like. And so that was about a decade ago. And I took a run with her. She was on Celebrity at the time. And I thought, huh, this is interesting. I'm going to go back to my job. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then eight years passed, and I went, you know, I'd really like to do something outside of an office. Maybe I should give that cruise director thing a try. And it turns out that Holland America line really is the only line that would ever take the risk and hire someone that had never been on a cruise ship and put them in the role of the manager of the department and running the entertainment department on board. But that being said, my background in performance and management, those two skill sets were already the foundation, so I had what they needed at that point. What turned you off the first time when you were thinking about doing it and you were like, nah, this isn't for me? Because I have my own mixed feelings about, you know, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm grateful to be working. But, you know, ship life has its own drawbacks. So what, what was it for you? Was it, you were married at the time, though, weren't you? Uh, well, I was. Uh, not. I have to think. Oh, wow. <laughs> you blocked <laughs> yes, it out. Yes. No, no, I haven't blocked it out. <laughs> Tim, if you're listening, we're really good friends, my ex okay. So I'm very lucky that way. Uh, no, first and foremost, when I started, or prior to that, I had never even thought of a cruise. I didn't really even know what that meant as mm -hmm. far as a, a way of traveling. You know, I'm used to a, a, an AMC station wagon that's painted bright orange and your <laughs> folks driving you from one historic site to another in the U.S. And I thought, like I think many people, that, oh my gosh, this cruising is for old folks. This is going to be so boring. How could I possibly do this? When I went on my, my sort of trial run, I thought, oh, no, no, this is not boring. This is about you deciding whether you want to be relaxed or active, and the options are really there. That was all leading up to becoming a cruise director. When, once I arrived here, then I realized that it's really a different bunch of uh, challenges. <laughs> life, on, as you pointed out, uh, life on a cruise ship is not glamorous. Uh, there are many rules and regulations, and we have a lot of protocol in place. So when we're here as crew members, we're here to work. 
which is a little different for you. Uh, but yeah. we, but we, and the, and as well it should be. But we have, uh, we have two jobs. We have the job th of the function, my cruise and travel director. I have a whole set of things that I do for that, and then the job of living on a ship, and that in and of itself is a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yes, <laughs> yeah. I know you have to put in a lot more hours than I do, but uh, well, everyone does. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> everybody does on the board. But um, well, I, I see it. Okay, so before I got into doing, I've only been doing cruises about four years or so. But my thought, the only thing I knew about a cruise director was from the Love Boat, you know, and that kind of thing. That's the what most people. Right, Julie. Julie McCoy. Right. Said her full name. And as far as I, yeah, respect paid. <laughs> um, but as far as I thought. Like the cruise director was basically the host of the party, yeah, right. And yeah. you organize all the like the social functions and yeah. all that other thing. You ca you keep everything going. Yeah, you're 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 the party host. That's right. Is is it still that way? I know you work mostly. You work Holland America now, and that position's changed on this line. But is it still that way on other lines? I think it's that way on certain lines. Um, one of the really cool things about this industry is that there is a cruise line for every kind of traveler. You know, you've heard me say this. Yeah. If you want big screen TVs and water slides, oh my, there's a cruise line for you. <laughs> right. If you want, you know, white glove butler service every day, there's a cruise line for you and everything in between. So the lines that focus on the party, uh, the shorter cruises, the Caribbean runs during the holidays, those lines, I think you'd find a very traditional idea of a cruise director there. Someone who is, you know, the life of the party, wears costumes for every theme <laughs> night that they do, etc., etc. It's, it, you know, y but even on a line like Holland America Line, where we, we are not so much in that vein, you still have the responsibility of bringing people into the experience. And it can be a challenge from demographic, from, from our age group to our uh, style of traveler. What do you want them to experience? The person who is the face and the voice of the ship, which is what the cruise director is, doesn't matter what line you're on, that's right. your job. They need to know who you are and they also need to listen to you. Uh, my number one function on this ship is to give information. And if I don't do that in a way that's clear, concise, and we'll call it digestible, <laughs> uh, it's not, no one will ever take any of that and it will be mass confusion and let me tell you when you have 1500 guests walking around going no one told us where the so-and-so was and how to get to them that's not what you want right. you want people to be excited and happy and informed so that sort of snapshot is what I think I do here uh, here on our line as well we we are traditional we're focused on the destinations so we want to have the aspect of the travel guide or the person who can give them practical information, give them historical information, help them find the local coffee shop or the really cool place to have lunch that's not on the ship. Right. But you're but you're also a performer and an, and an actor and everything else. I, I mean, I can totally picture you being that on those other lines and wearing the costume and being the Gosh. life of the party and you sing and you do everything. But here they just, they don't let you do that. No, they don't. <laughs> they absolutely don't. So have you tried to go on other lines or do you do you are you a Holland America person now and you can lie too <laughs> yes I cannot tell a lie <laughs> you've met me so you yeah, know. yeah yeah I don't have a filter in that way um, this was a great opportunity for me to uh, come into this industry 
I think knowing what I know now, I would never recommend for anyone to be put into this role straight out of the gate without ever having done another function on a ship because it really is that hard to right. learn those two jobs. There's no real ramp in. The minute you have 1,500 people staring at you, you have to bring it. <laughs> right. And what I've learned is that you have to write for yourself. This is not, my background is in classical theater and then musical theater and blah, blah, blah. But I never had to write a script for myself. Here, every single day, I am a writer. And I never thought that I could really do that. So that's been actually, I think that's been something that really surprised me, is that I have an ability that I didn't know that I had. You mean you're writing what you say uh, over the announcements and on stage and everything else? Everything. I write oh. everything. When I first started, I was so afraid to go on the microphone without having a typed script in front of me <laughs> that I, I couldn't do it. I just would panic. Eventually, and if you could imagine, in between all the hours that I already work, I would be sitting in the office on the computer trying to type up the night's intros for our guest entertainers like you. I'd be, <laughs> okay, well, well, they didn't give me anything, and I have to make it up, and it's got to sound fabulous, and what's going to happen out there on the stage? I, now... I've finally arrived at the place where I can trust myself that if I go out and if something is, you know, or organically funny, I'll work with that a little bit. You've, you've been with no, me for a But I, I don't, I, if, if nothing happens and I've just got to tell them what's, you know, on the menu for the next day and here's our wonderful <laughs> performer, Mike Siegel, I don't have to, I don't have to worry. Either way, it's going to be fine. Right. You know, my job isn't brain surgery. No one's going to die if I don't make it funny. <laughs> and I remember that I asked. But mine is. Yours mine, is. I That's will die. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is your Bailey. <laughs> um, I remember that when I was training in, I, I was trained in by a wonderful uh, longtime cruise director, like the top guy at Holland America Line for years and years and years. And Jason said to me, he, I was so worried about the fact that we were watching people and these this is a male-dominated industry. I'm, gonna, I'm saying this, and it's being recorded, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, am a, I am a triple, we won't call it a threat, but I'm a, a triple something because I'm a North American, which is very unusual out here. Uh, anywhere outside of the entertainment department, you really won't find North Americans working on ships. I am a North American female, and I am a North American female manager. Mm -hmm. It's very unusual. It's a very male-dominated industry, and this role in particular every cruise I have hundreds of people who will be like we've never had a female cruise director it's just like Julie McCoy there really yeah I think we have a bunch of them I've worked on um, Celebrity and Seaborn and Crystal Crystal there was two old guys doing it but uh, <laughs> and they only have like two ships two big ships actually yeah. but uh, yeah I've had I've had uh, I think I may have had more women than men that's about 50-50 but it seems to be younger the younger ones seem to be more women it seems. I don't, I don't what know. What are you what, trying to say? I, <laughs> I don't know if they're like hiring that way or I, I don't know what's going on. But, hmm. but you do a great job in the terms of like I've we talked about this during the week of like and me and Mike Robinson, who I performed with, we've had horrible introductions on other lines and people like got my name wrong. <laughs> uh, they're like you said you were when you started out, just very flustered on the mic and don't know really, you know, I'm sure if I saw them a year later, they'd be much better. Right, absolutely. But um, I was just getting them at the wrong time, apparently. But if people were thinking about getting into the business, um, I'm sure you get the same questions all the time, like, what's your typical weekly schedule? Like, I mean, in terms of hours and, yeah. you know, is it, 
is it worth it? I mean, is it hard? Is it taxing? I mean, when are you off the clock? Well, never. <laughs> okay. The, well, day, that's the day before I arrive at the ship and the day after I disembark, that's really that's a really honest answer. Because, first of all, I would say that I'm the most identifiable person on the ship. Except for maybe our guest entertainers. Once once you've performed... Oh, no, I hide. Believe uh, me. But, but they, piano know, player, maybe. they know who you are, but they really know who I am, and I make myself, on top of yeah. that, I make myself really available, which is not what all cruise directors do. But that's, that's just the nature of my personality. So in that respect, it doesn't matter whether... I'm off the clock, and I'm putting that, I'm doing air quotes yeah. right now, <laughs> off the clock, which means I'm not scheduled to be somewhere, and I'm in my running clothes, and I'm outside in port, or whether I'm on the floor or on the stage, I am still a representative at all of those times of Holland America Line, and more importantly, of the cruise and travel director. I am that person. When I'm out in port, you'll see me all the time. I like to stop and take pictures for people just because they're all standing there trying to take one picture of each of them. And I'm like, could we have a photo together? Let's do this. Let's do it. Because that's what it's about, right? I'm really here to work. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't have personal time. But even during that personal time, we are still always on emergency function duty. So at any time, an alarm can go off. And it doesn't matter. It, it always happens at 1 a.m. I mean, that's the norm, right? Right, so of course. the incinerator has a little flash, right. and the next thing we know... you got a hairnet on. You got <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get my wiglet right. out of the drawer, <laughs> and the next, I don't know, I can't find my... Oh, my gosh, I showed up in a bathrobe once for a fire. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So the captains are always really happy when you do that. <laughs> Fuzzy slippers and a, and a shower cap. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no. So, if, like, what's a typical contract for you? Like, is it like three months? Is it six months? Or how long are you gone for? Well, let me give you the party line. Okay. The party line is that we work four months on and two months off. Did you, did that? I got it. Was that that sounds good? very official. That sounds very official. But it, but it can be extended or, or yeah, shortened or, sometimes. Or, or shortened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it can, um, it, for the most part, I have preferred longer contracts. So in the contract that I'm on now and the previous were both six months long. Um, it's nice to do a full season of an itinerary because then you really, you really learn the itinerary. And when I was a location guide, that was extremely important. Um, my typical day starts at about 7 a.m. and it ends at 11. P.m. P.m. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's just p.m. With a little break in the afternoon, I usually have time between 11 and 1, and that's really about it, and, and dinner hour, if I can kind of work that in. It's, it is an industry that requires a tremendous amount of stamina, and in order to, to do this job, you have to learn how to pace yourself. So you have to, you have to uh, find how to recharge while you're out here, because it's really a reduced lifestyle. If you liked your college dorm, then you will love yeah. living on <laughs> yeah. the ship. <laughs> so, yeah. And also, let's—I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it, it's for people who uh, want to have a family or have kids or anything like that. It's—it's it's not really kid-friendly, and uh, family relationships are hard you know, to keep to keep going on land. I oh find. Oh my gosh! Anyway. If if you meet on the ships, yeah, it's it's. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I see some lovely couples that, oh, are, sure. that are great and that have had families. But I will tell you that for 
about 98% of those are in the engineering or navigation departments. Really? Because they have a very strict three months on, three months off. So they meet their dancer, singer, clubhouse. Right. The captain, mate. the officers. Yes. And, and then they get married, and then the spouses come in and sail on board, a spouse on board, and they start bringing their children until they're school age. And that, that seems to work out nicely. But they are the one or the two groups that really have regulated and you know, six months on, six months off. It's really not a bad schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but for those of us that are in and out or bouncing from ship to ship and, you know, you meet someone here, you really don't have an idea about who they are until you get on land. Right. <laughs> let's, <laughs> right. Let's, let's move this show it's into like the fantasy land. Yeah. Psychology 101. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, yeah, if you are, people, people like to come up to me and go, so, you don't have children. And I'm, and I'm, I just never say anything. I'm like, well, you've made a statement, so I don't know. <laughs> Was that the question? Was there a... And I say, no, I, I don't. I have cats. Right. They have disowned me, so I can't imagine what it would be like <laughs> with kids. That would be horrendous. Uh, and that that is a consideration when you continue to work in this industry. Absolutely. And for someone of my age, because yeah. I'm, I'm okay with saying I'm 51, and I'm... I like to call myself in my mid-50s, but really girl. in the early 50s. No. Um. <laughs> I just go late, late, really late 30s. Really late, my late 30s. 40s. Yeah, but you can get away with that. <laughs> you can get away with that. Well, I, I always tell people, like, um, it seems to be a pattern. It's like, it's a great, I didn't even know anything about cruise ships in my 20s. I didn't know any, I didn't even know it was an option to work. From, Me neither. I as someone I'd who liked to travel. Yeah, I thought was like, wow, this would be, you know, if you're right out of school and something, it's a great way to spend your 20s and stuff like that. But I see you know, a lot of, especially it's tough for women. They go, God, if I want to have kids or something, and you know, by the late 20s, I got to go, I think I better get off the ship yeah. and work on <laughs> having yes. a family, you know, getting. So it's usually get in their 20s or a lot of people whose kids have grown already. Right. So it's like a retirement yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's one of the reasons why it, it may be appealed quite often, like especially with cruise or fl uh, flight attendant uh cruise directors <laughs> or the flight attendants yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh that a lot of them were like gay men because they didn't have kids so it's like why not keep traveling i mean it's it's a great gig but uh, for a lot of the women when we would hit that age they were like god i better go on land because i already see some of the like the younger like your assistants or something who are like maybe in their 20 early 20s and going maybe i don't think maybe. they're gonna yeah it's <laughs> like i can see them it's like oh this would be good for five years and then yeah. they're going to want to go back on land and start a family you know so it's it's not for everyone was no. what i'm saying oh, you, you have to know yourself and but if you're young and want to see it's a great way to see the world you it know i don't blame like the dancers for doing it or anybody working on it it's well, they, great way. they have a you know depending on first of all for performers it's amazing uh at least on our line and i think every line has a little bit of a different variation on their contracts but they're hired by a professional production company in new york city they rehearse together. They come on the ship together. In our case, as we are here on a seven-day run, yeah. they do two shows. Oh, I'm sorry, two and a half shows. Yeah. We can't really count LTT. No, no, no. Okay, so they do two and a half shows, and the rest of the time, they're free. They have no other duties, no other assigned duties. They have to do, like, drills. They have to do drills and stuff, don't they? They have a safety function, but they right. do not have... They do not have any other assigned duties. They don't have to host. They don't have to do yeah. tender operations. They don't do any of that. Some lines they do. Yeah, I was on Seaborn. They had to like they had the they piano player out there like helping people put on their 
you know, escorting people off the ship and doing things. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're I, had to, I had to host a table. Well, they're singers, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, on Seaborn. Their singers actually have to do uh, concerts, little like mini concerts throughout the day, in oh, addition yeah, to the shows yeah. that they do. Uh, but so let's say I'm a performer. Let's say I've been in New York for a couple of years and I've been, you know, hustling auditions. And I get a chance to have seven months of paid, and it's decent paid, yeah. performance on my resume. I'm working, and I'm getting paid and getting benefits for six months or seven months. It's great. What performer would, t- you know, we're lucky in, in yeah. Actors' Equity if we can get a six-week contract. It's, you know. So to have that as a young performer, I would have loved to have known that that was available to me. Not to say that I would have ever gotten cash yeah. that way, but still. <laughs> but still, but now, well, that's actually not true. I did. Pardon me. Sorry. I got, uh, I, when I was in my undergrad program, I did an audition for something else, and someone from Cunard saw me Ooh. and asked if I, I was offered a role in a Shakespeare play because they do full-length classic productions on board their ships. Wow, that's stuffy. And that is, I that was is, like, wow. holy moly. And then <laughs> it didn't work out with my school schedule, so I couldn't accept it. And I was so, and to this day, yeah. I'm still bummed about that. I would have been on the QE2 doing a crossing. Oh, sure. Doing Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I always said if, like, you know, I, I, I tell people that it's like the, the dancers, it's a lot of them, they go to New York and try to get on Broadway and starve, and then they gotta they run out of money. They take a ship for six, seven months, and then, and then go back and starve again. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you can support it, your Thank God they have it, yeah. because a lot of their, there's not a many other places for them to make money other than theme parks, no. really, and cruise no. ships. So that's pretty much the only kind of thing that are doing that. I mean, regional theater is not going to pay you anything. Oh, my gosh. No. I mean, regional theater is great for, for honing your craft. Yeah. But again, you're getting maybe an eight-week contract. Maybe. And <laughs> the other place that this is really excellent, or the other the other group of people that are really favored out here, are the musicians. Yeah. You know, how many different groups do we have on board? We have a regular band. We have an ocean quartet. We have a, a classical duo. We have a pianist. These people, again, are people who have to really scrape for gigs on land. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not a given. And also, uh, Bill Prince, who is the the head of entertainment or whatever, I saw him give a speech last year. But he said one thing that they they are hiring on these ships is sound techs. You know, guys to run the sound boards and set up all the mics and do all that stuff because we had live entertainment on how many different stages, and constantly you have to run sound. Yeah. And so I worked, there was one guy that was on, he followed, he tours with a band and he's the sound guy, works the soundboard on a band, but when the band's not touring, he needs to make money. So he takes a three month cruise gig and that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, So give me your favorite, if you have to look back on all the places you've gone. Yeah. There's one like particular itinerary stand out in your mind is like you look forward to it like, oh, I'd love to go back there. Well, that's hard to say. I love every itinerary for for different reasons. Um, and really, my specialty is Central America, which I love, love, love. Why? Because it's different from anything that I experienced in my upbringing, in, in my life, both logistically and culturally, and I love that. And I think that the people are so incredibly generous in their spirit. That's, you know, I had been to Mexico once or twice before I came to work on a ship, but I had never been to Guatemala. I had never been to the beautiful country of Nicaragua. 
all you hear is the bad, bad, negative, negative, <laughs> negative. You read all of the you know rhetoric, fine. But what you do when you're on these ships is that you actually walk out into a town and you speak to the people, and you know what the energy of a place is like. You feel it. If you're in tune enough, you know. I love it. I absolutely, Nicaragua has been one of my, I would say that it may not be my number one pick as far as places to recommend, but for myself, it is the place that has surprised me more than any other place that I've been. And I think if we can be surprised in travel, then we're doing something right. Right. You know, if you are out of your comfort zone and you, and you allow yourself to be open to an experience. Well, my story of Nicaragua, I was there on a oh ship this April, I think it was, earlier this year. And uh, we were going to stop there. And there was some political unrest. Yeah. And they yep. canceled the stop. So we couldn't go. And I still haven't been to Nicaragua yet. And I want to go. I heard there's great surfing. Uh, but uh, wh- how, how was it different from, say, like uh, the feeling you get when you go to Guatemala? Or someplace like that. What's the difference in I, your mind? In in well, in in my in my mind and in, in what I see and, and experience from from the visit. When we dock, we dock in a place called Corinto, which is extremely poor, extremely poor. And what I learned as a travel guide was that I really had to. When I was a cruise director, the first season that I did the Panama Canal, I remember after every single visit in Corinto hundreds of people would just come at me just screaming and angry why would we stop here this place is awful this is blah you know just blah and I would think to myself I just don't I don't understand I don't I don't have that experience of this place when I went back as a guide I had more time more time to to spend there and getting outside of Corinto uh, and so I learned that I had to set it up for people. I do a port talk where I where I give the the local stuff, the non-tourist. Right. You have to stuff. prepare them for this. Yes, and I and literally, <laughs> right. I would get up there, and before I would even launch into what there was to do or what I what I recommended, I would say, "Now listen, everybody in this room, all of you, we don't go out here." We don't, we don't come out here to travel, to see things that look just like what we see in our backyard, do we? And I, I force them to engage <laughs> in the talk. And, and I ask them to think with their hearts instead of their eyes when they walk off the ship. When you dock in Corinto, Nicaragua, every single person from that town comes out on the dock dressed in their full, uh, whichever indigenous costume they've chosen. There are four bands. There are seven dance troops. There are little tiny children dressed in their traditional dress, handing out maps to every guest who comes off of the ship. Now, you ca- if you're not moved by that, then you are dead. <laughs> you are simply dead. And so, to be able to to be able to this year especially, I had a lot of people who came back and said, "You know, Jude, I would never have gone out there. I would never. I, if I had walked off the ship and seen." What you see, you see, you see large animals tied to trees. Yeah, yeah. They're like, we would never have gone two steps further. But you told us that that's what we were going to see. You let us know what to expect. And you asked us to bypass that initial instinct of flight and to just go out there. And we met someone 
driving a pedicab who took us to their family home. We met their mother, their grandmother. We had Coca-Cola, and we <laughs> talked. Right. Well, I mean, a cruise ship, kind of like, as someone who's a, a, a pretty seasoned traveler, if you're really interested in the culture and wanting to do a deep dive, nobody goes on a cruise ship. No, to, no. They're on a cruise ship because they really just want to scratch the surface. And a lot of times in the danger of, you know, Central America or the Caribbean or something, a lot of them are just getting out of crap weather in the winter, and they could care less where they're getting off of. I mean, they really don't care. Right. I mean, they're going to get, you know, buy some cheap souvenirs, get drunk, and maybe they'll learn a little bit about, uh, you know, how tequila is made or something to take a tour or whatever it is. Yeah. But, I mean, cruise ships in general don't tend to be your most, you know, culture vultures, <laughs> you know what I mean, of no, where they're going. I, I agree with you, but there are people out in this mix that, that Oh, I'm well, not saying it. I mean, yeah. it's good, and, and it might pique their interest to come back. Yes, but what, you're absolutely right. If you yeah. want to, if you really want to get to know an area, you have to go and you have to stay. Right. The thing that I love about cruising that I didn't know that I was going to love is that I refer to it, and this is my little, this is my own little marketing. So you can say trademarked by Jude. <laughs> um, is that I call it the tapas of travel. That's what that's what cruising is. It's your it's your small plates, your little bites. You get a little taste of this, a little taste of that, and then you decide, oh, I really liked that. I'd like to go back and have more of that. And I and that's what I think of, where people sort of outside of those that just want to come and sit on the ship during the you know winter season, the snowbirds. That's where folks in, in our realm can really use cruising. So if I want to go to the Mediterranean and take an 11-day cruise and go to five countries, I can't do that on foot, and I can't really afford to do all of that flying and whatever. So a cruise allows me to do an 11-day trip, and all of a sudden I go to Cotor Montenegro, where I've never been before, which would never have been on my radar of a place to visit, and I go, holy crap of yeah. this place is unbelievable. I want to live here amongst all the cats. You know, <laughs> I like, still haven't been to Kotor. Oh, my God, it's so gorgeous. Yeah. It is so gorgeous. I've been to Croatia like four times, but I haven't been to Montenegro. I don't know, it's, it's close, but I've mean, seen the photos. Yeah, it's, it's, it's similar in, in yeah. sort of feeling, but I, I don't know. There was just something magical about it for me, and... Um, and again, the people so lovely. I'd never been to Greece until I did the uh, Mediterranean season. And as far as seasons go, for for sheer travel and spectacle, the Mediterranean is unbeatable. However, it is a lot of work to be operating in six countries with all the different languages and all of the different travel aspects. And it's it's an enormous undertaking for a travel guide. You have to really be specialized in that. Oh, I'm sure people ask you this all the time. Give me your worst <laughs> cruise experience, and whether it was like, um, I don't know, an outbreak, uh, oh, worf, w- bad seas. Give me your roughest seas story. Oh, no, I don't, you know what? I have not had, like, Alaska was the roughest weather that I'd ever been in. Yeah, and it can be pretty, yeah. it can be really choppy on the outside there. Um, and occasionally here on the Atlantic side, when you're coming up around the Gaspé Peninsula and getting into the St. Lawrence Seaway, it, it can be a little. But no, I've, I haven't done, you know, like I haven't done Drake's Passage or anything like that. So uh, I've been really lucky. And I did a couple of crossings to Hawaii, which people tell me can be really bad. It was glass. Really? All three oh, times. Oh, I mean, like, whoosh, smooth. It was like ice skating. Uh, m- my worst cruise experience was on my first summer and we were here in Canada, New England, and we had a terrible uh, GI outbreak. Uh. 
Tell people what GI stands for. Well, it's gastrointestinal distress um, or, or norovirus. You hear it called a lot of things. Um, it's, not, it's not unusual. Uh, it's not... Uh, I've been on a couple. Yeah, but we, had, we, had, we were in what we call code red, yeah. which means that we have elevated numbers for like nine weeks. Oh. And at one point on one cruise, we had over 600 guests. They were literally throwing up as they were disembarking the ship. And then all, <laughs> and then all of the people behind them are coming in in hazmat suits. Oh, no. And we all, the crew, just so you so all know, this is why I'm telling you, wash your hands, wash your darn hands, wash your hands. <laughs> Nasty. Uh, we, the crew, have to don hazmat suits and oh. clean the ship from top to bottom. It's not just, you know, you don't just get some outside service to come in. We do it. So, wash your hands, please. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be harsh, but wash your hands. <laughs> have you ever gotten sick? Yes, yeah, I have. have I have. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure whether I had, like, norovirus or if I had something. Um, I'm, I am notorious for being like, oh, look, there's an abuela on the side of the road, and she's got a bag of something that looks edible. I'll take two oh, of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Did uh, have you ever had somebody die on the ship? Oh yeah, yeah. mostly old people, right? Well, yeah, but no, I've a lot of people have stories of people jumping. No, I have not had that experience. Thank goodness, I I can't even imagine uh, what that was like. But I've had two experiences that were really traumatic. I was on the Westerdam in Alaska when eight of our guests were on a flight that crashed. Oh my gosh, that was recently, right? That was a was it this year? Twenty no, they, that they had an, another accident this yeah, year, right. uh, but this was twenty sixteen. If I'm not messing up my years, yeah, twenty sixteen. Um, like a local, like a tour plane crash. Pretty intense, and um, also I was on a ship where we had to airlift a very young guest, and it it wasn't the smoothest of seas, and it was really scary to watch them drop a person down on a, you know, on a rope and then lift a basket with this, this person who was in a life-threatening situation wow. off the ship. And I have to tell you, uh, when the call comes a- across the uh, PA system, when they're asking people with a certain blood type to please come to the, to the medical center, you know, it's really serious. And, um, and, the P- and the guests, everyone, I mean, they had so many people, they couldn't even use everyone. It was, it was really wonderful. Everyone was was really great but we have a lot of medical situations i had a guest that fell down a flight of stairs right in front of me uh two weeks ago on this ship you i am a drill sergeant in those types of situations and in fact somebody said to me oh my gosh jude i saw how fast you reacted i said she wasn't at the bottom of the stairs before i was already in the next room on the phone you uh believe it or not she did not break anything she had to. She was disembarked, but she she was okay. I mean, the fact that she was conscious. She tumbled down a full flight of stairs at eighty some years old. Just you know, it, it it happens, and it's unfortunate. And we do a lot of training. We do a lot of safety training. So I saved a woman from choking in a trivia game one day. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Choking on laughter. Peanuts. <laughs> peanuts. They were peanuts. Yeah. So uh, I have I have uh, comedian friends who have stories of getting of bombing so hard on cruise ships that they were like 
almost helicoptered off the next day. Yeah. <laughs> like they were, they were, yeah, they were like at a two week um, contract and they're like, you know, we're good after their first night. You, you can, and they put them off the next day. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Uh, thank God, knock on, I haven't, that hasn't happened to me, but uh, have you seen, you don't have to name names, but what happened? I had one uh, comedian that came on and he'd never done a cruise ship before. And he was, you know, a, a Vegas guy. This is not that crowd at all, as you well know. And he's up on, he's doing his first show and he was just getting angry with the audience because he, he, he knew that, you know, they weren't getting what he was doing and, and he, he was belligerent with them. Oh. And so, you know, we had 200 walkouts and uh, all of them went straight to the guest services desk and, and wrote their complaints oh. because here on Holland America Line, we have something called the share your thoughts card. Oh. Just yeah. go ahead and ask for it, okay? <laughs> and uh, and they do. They yeah, share they their do. thoughts. Um, but uh, so he, we had him go on the second show, and that was it. The, our event manager called called our called Cheryl and said, you know, I don't think this guy is gonna. And and she's great because sometimes we have, and okay, so we sent him home the next day. Conversely, I had another out. Uh, and both of these guys are great. Like, the, you know, it's not, I, I'm not judging the, the comic style. Just doesn't always fit. That's, that's correct. I had another uh, guy who came on. Same, same thing, used to do in clubs. Really, really quirky guy. And he was on, and, and it, it, was a, it was a lukewarm response. And then he, right away, he switched it up, figured it out. The second show, better third show by the fifth show he you know he was almost at a standing ovation he he was able to read the audience and he was able to to tailor and and that's it does take a, a special type because you have to you have to tread a kind of a very i call it a thin line or an odd line right. here to to sort of bridge the demographic and the and the yes well you also have to have enough material to be able to switch gears you know if if, if you only have the one gear yeah. and they're not buying it then you have nowhere to go yeah. you know you can tw- you can tweak things as much as you can but if it's it's not working it's not working you've seen these cast shows change over the wow. years and they're all talented but this is a really throwback kind of entertainment where do you see the future of like say cruise entertainment going if you had to look 10 years on not just on this line but on all of them. So in the, in the broad sense, in the general sense, I think on some lines you already really see it. They're doing full-length productions, full-length shows. Sure. You have Cirque du Soleil on some ships. Seems like a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where that's a challenging is in being able to maintain the technical side of those things and also being able to this is a very simple thing, being able to house all of those people. One thing that we really run into and struggle with here is cabin space for crew members. We just don't have extra. You know, you can't, you can't go, oh, you know, we're just going to lose about 25 beverage attendants and uh, put our uh, uh, acrobats over there. And uh, maybe we could shave off a few of the uh, deck officers. We don't need to watch all the time, do we? Do we need somebody up there looking out all the time? Don't you have autopilot? Yeah. No, right. <laughs> so, but I think, um, and even here on our line, we're we're moving to a very different type of show. Holland America Line wants to focus on music. That's what our VP of Entertainment would like to have us do, and so he has 
the Rolling Stones Music Room, you have the BB King's Blues All Star Band, you have Billboard on board, a lot of partnerships, a lot of They're all in on music on this yeah, line. They're big on the music. But on other lines, you're seeing a lot of shows, real shows that, that already have a built in recognizability, if you will. Uh, and we'll do Mamma Mia yes. or something like that. Right. And frankly I think that's where it's at. You know, if we put Menopause the musical on this ship we would we would fill that theater every day for five shows. I'm telling you, you just have to know what your what your demographic is. Um, but uh, I think the sort of old school production show, you know, with four singers and four dancers, it's going away. And I'm not sure that everyone is happy about that. Uh, you know, I think um, I think that they get dated very quickly. Those shows. So that's where, if you're going to do that kind of show, you've really got to have somebody who knows how to write them, choose the correct music, and keep them fresh. You've got to keep rotating them. You can't plug one in for seven years and not wonder why your returning guests are frustrated. What's your dream itinerary? If you were to go somewhere that you haven't been and you haven't done, what, where would it be? Africa. All of Africa. I'd like to do the total circumnavigation. Is there one of the, do they have a cruise on this line doing that, or is it mostly European based one uh, next year i think our we have one like special voyage grand voyage you know for the for the ritzy folks uh they get to do that but it's been a long time we have not we have not been going um yeah. in that area and we we even stopped for many years we've stopped going to turkey we've stopped going to morocco um it's really too bad. And some of, those, some of those places are starting to come back online for the cruise industry. Have you seen the pushback on a lot of places? Because I know Barcelona kind of put their foot down and they want to limit them. And uh, Venice is too. It's just, they just get overrun. And I mean, I've been in Dubrovnik when like five ships pull in. And, yeah. and it just it overruns the old city during the day. And, and finally, they just kind of, we can't handle it. Um, do you see some ports that have been like too much? Like Nassau, there's five, six ships a day. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Did you say Cozumel? Oh, yeah. There's like <laughs> right. 12 or 15 docks there. I don't know what to say. Yeah. No. Yeah, awful. And there it is. You know, if you want to have a, a positive experience, you don't want to be, you know, crushed with 8 million other folks from the Midwest in January in, <laughs> in Mexico. But, uh, you know, how do you do that? Like, do you, do you limit? For instance, this summer, it's been interesting for us in Bar Harbor. I don't know if you've noticed, we really haven't been in with any, we've only had one other big ship in with us at any given time, which is really nice. And we're in Quebec City right now, and I think we're the only ship here. That's nice. Yes, but once it gets to fall, we'll be one of four ships here. I would think the summer would be more crowded up here. Is it because people come for the fall colors and stuff? The fall foliage. Leaf peepers. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've never even heard that. No. That's what they call them in New England and like Vermont, leaf peepers, because they come up there to peep on the leaves. The leaves. Sounds like it could go sideways. Yeah, it could. If you're not really, if you're not articulating clearly, that could be. Leaf peepers. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, If somebody wants to do this for a living or thinking about getting in, how do they apply? Or do they, is there, do you go to the the website of the cruise line or is there like an agency that does all the hiring? Well, it just depends on what you want to do. Uh, For the entertainment department, you would go online and every single cruise company has a website and every single cruise company website has a careers page right at the bottom. And you can send your you can send your information out into the nether sphere, as I like to refer to it. That's an option. The best option is always having somebody that already works on a cruise ship to walk your resume to the right person. 
Um, they also have job fairs quite frequently, and I think that that's a great way. I have a wonderful friend uh, who was uh, on Cunard for many, many years, came to Holland America Line, and now... Uh, took a couple of years off uh, to stay with his father and get him situated. And now he's just been hired by Oceana and he went to a job fair, a cruise line job fair. And it's a great opportunity. I think anytime you can have a personal connection, anytime they can see you in person, reading things off of a piece of paper is difficult. Like you asked me earlier and I never really did answer. I have, I have put out my resume to a couple of companies even with my experience, I don't even get a call for a first interview. I did one company, um, which was Viking, which I love their product. It's very much in line with what I did on land. And I had six interviews and had to send in um, performance tape. Wow. So They asked for tape on you? Wow. Well, on, on Viking, the cruise director has to carry two full shows because they operate as a guest entertainer as well as the shore excursion manager and the cruise director. Wow, that's a lot of work. I hope they pay you well. Well, I don't know because I didn't get hired. So, <laughs> so. But I heard, I mean, maybe this is back in the day, but I heard stories of some cruise directors making big dough. Those days are gone. Okay. I just want to be clear to all of the listeners out there that that, that um, spectrum, yes, at one time cruise directors were were not only making a salary, but they were incentivized for bingo sales. They were incentivized for jewelry sales by the local merchants. I mean, if I if I got a commission on every person I sent to the French restaurant down the street in Quebec that I love so much, I've never even gotten so much as a free soda from them. And that's fine. That's not why I do it. I do it because the restaurant is amazing. However, in the old days, the cruise director was the person and they had, and, and it's still true that you have control over helping people decide where they're going to spend their money when they're in port. And that's, that's a really big deal. And I think sometimes people forget that. I'm not just the face and the voice of the ship. I'm also the face and the voice of the port. I always like, liken it kind of to, like, if you watch Casino, the, the movie, the difference of old Vegas to new Vegas now. Now corporations run everything, and everything's on the books, and everything's, you know, the bar has to make money, this has to make money, this, where in the old days, there was one guy who was like the casino boss, and he'd walk around, and he'd comp your meal, or you'd do that, or you, you know, they didn't care about the coffee shop making money, we'd get all back, you take care of these people, you do things under the table, and you just, you grease the wheels, and those days are done. You know, I think that when you're, if we're talking realistically about, about money, people are always like, well, you must make a lot of money. Well, you get room and board, don't you? That's what they say. I like, they follow, they follow, you must make a lot of money by you. They give you food and a place to sleep. Is yeah. that right? They do. Oh, as someone who was on basic cable television and people thinking <laughs> I made, oh, wow, you're you got making millions, right? No, no. No, no. Um, no, it's, uh, if you had no bills and you lived out of your parents' garage or you stored all of your things, then you can save some money. You, that's what you do. You come out here to save money. So you can do it. But for those of us that have a life at home and have things that are responsible, responsibility. Mortgage, rent. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Kids. Car payment. <laughs> Animals that have to be taken care of like children. Uh, you know, that's, that's your, I, I actually make more. If I did the hourly breakdown, I make more at home. I don't have to buy all of my meals, even though I do because I like the culinary aspect of travel. Um, uh, you know, I, if I were really, really careful, I could 
save. At least for us, the money's decent, but you're not being paid by the show. As Cheryl would tell us, you know, you're not being paid for the shows, you're being paid for the travel. You're being paid for your time away, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, it's a big cramp in your life. Yeah. So you better, you know, enjoy it. Um, okay, so finally, now that they'll let you go. What, um, well, first of all, we can plug anything you want to plug. Do you have a website or any social media or anything? Where can people find you? Instagram. 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 What, are you, what are you on Instagram? Jude Day One. My name, okay. J-U-D-E-D-A-Y-1. Jude, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll, I'll going to, uh, you have to say, uh, hey, everybody, and then I'll answer the appropriate way. Okay. Hey, everybody. Hey, Jude. Whoa. Yay, we did it. 